Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher. Happy bringing you another episode this week, and most of you will be absolutely thrilled to hear that I have a guest this time. The last several weeks have been solo flights, and I appreciate you guys bearing with me each and every week as I talk to myself. Uh, not a lot of fun, but this week we have a a just a, a wonderful guest, uh, someone that I've been trying desperately to get on the program and many of you will recognize her voice and be sorry that it's not a video podcast when i tell you our guest this week is lexi gavin hi lexi hi clayton thanks for having me oh thanks for finally squeezing me into your incredibly busy schedule for those who don't know lexi gavin is a very accomplished tournament poker player um, which is why she's on our show obviously um, Lexi had 11 caches in this year's World Series of Poker. You heard me right, 11. And it's even more impressive when she told me she played about 25 events. Uh, that is a, an insanely high rate of caches. Every single time I turned around to check on Lexi, she was like, yeah, I'm getting ready for another day too tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, you had quite a summer. I always say that run good comes in waves. So when you're running well, um, just keep at it because it, it definitely, it, it lasts, it, it comes in streaks. So um, yeah, I'm pretty hot right now. Um, but I, you know, obviously I expect it to, uh, to change. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully not, but it always does. So well, there's, there is an ebb and flow, but uh, yeah, when, when luck shows up, when skill is already present, then good things happen. And I think that's just what's been going on with you lately. So tell us a little bit about um, how you got into poker. 32 now. I got into poker 10 years ago. I I went to college in Coastal Carolina in Myrtle Beach, and I was – was um, graduating. I graduated with a degree in political science and I was supposed to go to law school. And around that time, I, I started, I, I started playing um, a lot online and I made the decision to hold off on law school and, and really pursue online poker because I was, I was liking it. I had, um, I had some good friends and, and um, you know, good mentors. So I started playing quite a bit online. Um, I started dating a pro and he was, um, pretty recognized online, um, on poker stars. So we, we started grinding full time and he taught me how to mass multi-table. So, um, like live in a casino, you're, you're playing one table, you're seeing 30 hands an hour. I was playing 24 to 30 tables at a time. So I was seeing thousands of hands an hour. So all of that volume really, uh, really helped my game. Um, so I would go back and I would review my hands and I would, you know, talk to people. I had a really solid crew of friends, um, Greg Merson, Christian Harder. We all kind of, um, uh, they, they were pretty good mentors to me. 
So I was doing that. Um, and then after online poker was banned in America, I moved up to Canada um, to continue the online grind up there. So I moved up with a whole bunch of, uh, of pros um, and, yeah, started started playing. Uh, I was living in Toronto and um, eventually and then I moved to Montreal and then eventually I decided to make the switch to live poker. So I moved to Vegas for a while and um, I just yeah started playing live uh, full time. What and then made I you decide to leave Vegas. So it's funny you asked. I actually had a bad accident at the Bellagio um, self-inflicted. I shattered my leg um, in like six places. At, at the Bellagio. So I, my, my dad flew out and it, it sucks because I had just signed a six month lease at Vidara. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. It was horrible. Um, actually, that's also one of the reasons I had to leave Canada for a little while because I broke my elbow at Greg Merson's Halloween party, like a drunken idiot. Okay. <laughs> so, so, which, yeah, with both of these freak injuries, were yep. you drunk? <laughs> um, <laughs> or just the one? I was, in, I would say I was intoxicated for both. Um, okay. Yeah. So a little Crazy. accident prone when you're drinking. All a, right. a little bit. <laughs> I knock on wood. I haven't broken a bone since that since that incident. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I so my dad flew out to Vegas and brought me home. Um, and I I was recovering in New York where I'm from, and. During that time, um, I was going crazy, so I needed. I, I started getting into the underground poker scene in New York, and I started playing um, all of these private games. Um, and I, <laughs> yeah, I got into the whole culture here. And so now I, I, I go. I, I, my home base is is New York. I will be moving to Vegas um, in October, but my home base is New York. So I've been playing underground games for the last five years and just traveling for tournaments. So, you know, earlier you said I was a, a primary a, a tournament player. I'm actually more of a cash game player and I've just, uh, I, I travel occasionally for tournaments, but, um, yeah, my, yeah, I, I definitely more of a cash player. Well, I mean, looking at your hand in mob, it's easy to <laughs> see why one would assume you're a professional full-time tournament player. <laughs> it's not that good. <laughs> not that good yet. <laughs> We're working when... on it. When you do play, you're in the money. So, and you told me that in last year's World Series of Poker, you had kind of a similar rate of caches. Um, yeah, I, I did pretty well last summer as well. Um, I got close to making a final table last summer in um, the PLO, one of the PLO events. I think I busted in twelfth. Um, but yeah, I had I had some runs, some runs last summer as well. Wow. So, yeah, you have a lot of irons in the fire. You're playing in cash games. By the way, these underground cash games in New York are notoriously um, wild and loose, but they're also known for having like, high a ridiculous high rake. How do you yeah. beat that rake and make a living at it? Um, in the very high rate games, um, you know, I, I won't play a high rate game unless there is a, a really big whale or a few whales. And usually there there are multiple whales at the table. So in a game like that, you just have to kind of tighten up because all of these games are, are PLO as well. They're Parliament Omaha. So the variance is just insane. So the, the strategy is to just really tighten up, not play too many hands pre-flop. The hands that you do play, you want to play them more aggressively. 
and uh, just kind of wait, sit and wait for, for fish to make mistakes to you because yeah. otherwise you will get eaten by the, by the rake for okay. sure. Cool. So that'll be the last cash game question. Uh, we're not supposed to talk about cash games on this podcast, but oh, I have sorry. to know. Like, I've never met <laughs> anyone that actually claimed to make a living from these overraked games. Um, but oh, maybe yeah. uh, after we hang up, you can tell me where they are because I live in New York too. Oh, so. for, sure. for sure. I don't even know if I'm supposed to talk about the underground cash game world in general. Oh, yeah. Well, no one's ever seen any movies about it or anything. Um, <laughs> all right. So you are. Uh, as I mentioned, a person who wears multiple hats. Um, you also wear multiple patches. So yeah. when you sit down to play uh, in an on-camera uh, tournament like the main event, you're wearing all kinds of patches. So tell us real quickly about your patches and how you ended up with your various sponsorships. Okay, so uh, one of the patches I wear is um, Run Good Gear. Mm-hmm. I recently, right before the World Series, I recently became a an ambassador for them. Um, it's a poker clothing company founded by um, Tana. I'm sure everyone knows Tana. Um, I can never pronounce his last name. It's something really long and hard to say. It's like Karna something something. Um, so Tana, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I can't pronounce your last name. No one can. It's all right. <laughs> um, so they, yeah, like I said, they're a really great poker clothing company. Um, and they have um, series throughout the the year. They have um, tournament stops, and the majority of them take place um, around the Midwest. Um, and they're called the Run Good Gear series, and they're so much fun. They're always themed. Um, the last one I went to was Showbound theme, um, and it's a it's just a really really great crew. Um, they take on two new ambassadors a year, so and they're very they're very family oriented. So all of the ambassadors are kind of friends and uh, yeah, it's, it's a really, really great company. And did you pursue that sponsorship or did they come to you or was it kind of a mutual courtship or how exactly did that work for you? Um, so they sponsor the charity series of poker, which is the other um, patch that I wear. So I was just talking um, with them and, you know, we kind of just, mutually agreed that I would be a, a good ambassador for them. So it was, it was pretty mutual. Yeah. So share series of poker. Obviously everyone knows um, who's ever listened to this show before that uh, I'm a huge supporter. You are vice yes, president are. of the yes. CSOP. Yes, uh, of course we've had the president Matt Stout on the program before. Um, and he told us all about that. Um, we are trying to, uh, work out my next gig with you guys even as we speak so hopefully yeah. we'll have some news about that yeah. for everybody soon um, yeah. yeah no I love combining um, doing something good for people and playing poker uh, I got to attend and participate in the uh, Planet Hollywood event over the summer and that was one of the highlights of my summer actually I just really enjoyed it oh that was so much fun <laughs> I'm so mad that I didn't I, I messed up recording your karaoke, your epic karaoke session <laughs> literally <laughs> singing at the poker table oh, with a wireless microphone playing my so hand like check raising on 4th street while belting out New York New York something <laughs> well, I, I was, never thought I would I remember do. I was across the room and I heard the song and I thought that it was someone playing a song and then I realized oh my god that's Clayton singing for everybody (laughs) that is listening you should know that Clayton is the karaoke king and I know this because we've had a couple karaoke sessions together and he absolutely killed it and 
Yeah, he makes everyone look bad. (laughs) Well, you know, Lexi, one reason why you and I are friends is because I like poker players who don't take life too seriously and who can occasionally focus some of their brain power on something other than poker. And it seems like in your case, it's Eminem lyrics. So (laughs) that works out when we do karaoke together. All right. So let's get into poker. Well, what is the other patch? There's like some kind of fitness thing. Do you still wear this? Yes, yeah, so that's uh, Sasquatch Strength. Uh, it's a gym, <laughs> and um, basically it's a micro gym, so it's small and exclusive. Um, they only have about two to 300 members, um, and it's uh, first come, first serve. And the, the instruct- there, there are coaches and instructors there that are really, really dedicated to helping you achieve your fitness goals, so it's more of like uh, like family-type feeling um, they like, yeah, it's just more like a, a smaller personal, personal gym. We're running out of real estate on your body to put more patches. So. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. guess that's a good problem to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're never alone when you're at the poker table. That's for sure. So, yep. uh, yeah. Well, what else do you want people to know, um, about you before we get into some hands? Hmm. What about the poker night in America stuff? How's that going? What's happening with that? Well, so I've played on um, Poker Night America a few times, uh, three or four times, and those are always fun. Um, I really like doing the ladies' nights. Um, <laughs> it's just more of a laid back. It's kind of an interesting dynamic because all of the like every every time I've ever played on them, I've been surrounded by friends friends of mine at the tables. You know, especially the ladies' ones. The, the poker community, the women, the, the female poker population is very small, so we all kind of know each other, and we're all kind of friends. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's fun. It's fun to uh, to kind of go at it with your with your good friends. I remember I I four bet my one of my best poker girlfriends, Anna. I four bet her pretty light with queen four. That's pretty and, light. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty light. Yeah, button versus. Yeah, I, I was on the button. She. Three bet the small blind with Queen Jack. I four bet her with Queen Four of Hearts, and she looked at me and she's like, "I feel like you're fucking with me," but she tank folded <laughs> and then <laughs> showed the Queen Four. Uh, so it's just fun. Um, but yeah, I really, I really enjoy them. I really like Todd and and um, and all that. So yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah, I've been doing some uh, some commentary for them too. Yeah. I so. Just, uh, what would you say is your overall goal? I mean, as obviously, aside from winning millions and billions of dollars playing right. poker, um, you know, would you prefer to be uh, in the broadcasting side? Um, do you have aspirations to be like a CEO type, and that's why you have like an executive position? And where do you see yourself taking your poker career in the future? Oh, I want to do, I, I'd really love to do it all. I, I, I had never done commentary before. And, um, you know, when I was in Florida, I, I did commentary twice. One, you know, the first, the first time I did it was, you know, with Jesse and we, um, Jesse Abramowitz and we were just commentating the, um, Poker Night in America 2550 cash game. But then they asked me to do commentary a couple nights later for the 25K high roller. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is, quite the jump and I don't know if I'm really ready for this or if I'm even good at this but I jumped in the booth and I think it it turned out to be pretty to go pretty smoothly so I I really did like commentating I can see myself doing more of that um 
I would like to um, maybe do some TV hosting or um, yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, take, you know, do, do really well and keep playing tournaments and do really well in tournaments. And yeah. Um, and I, of course, my other goal is to continue growing the charity series of poker. We're already growing so crazy fast. Um, and, uh, it's, it's definitely exciting. So yeah, so those are my two, uh, those are my two goals. That's good. I mean, I love that you have a passion for all of the above and that you always seem to be having fun at the table. Now, obviously, it's easy to have fun when you're cashing 11 times in 25 uh-huh. tournaments, but I've seen you right after a bust out, and you're not a person that uh, seems to you know, drag the misery with you for the rest of the week or whatever. It's just it's so important as a tournament player to have an approach where you're like, look, I'm going to go play, and I'm, I'm going to try to make good decisions at the table, understanding that only in a, in a WSOP event, only 85% 85% of the players will not cash, and in most tournaments, it's more like 90% of the players lose. So it, it always makes me sad when I see players that just can't get over it right. when they lose a tournament because you're going to lose most of the tournaments you play unless you're Lexi. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know like half of them. I know you told me not to say that it's it's you know that I'm running good, but obviously I ran very well in the last two World Series. Um, to have so many, to have had so many caches. I mean, the first time I ever came out to the World Series, I think I was O for like fifteen, and it was heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe that might have been an exaggeration, but it can happen. I mean, um, like you said, that you know, even a professional tournament player only caches maybe if they're really good, maybe twenty percent of the time. It's That's more about like about right, it, yeah. Uh, maybe 15, 20% of the time. So I think that, um, yeah, you really have to just take your emotions out of the equation. And I, I think that the fact that I've had played so many hands online and I've just lost and I've, you know, I've just seen every possible situation and you just become numb to losing and just you have to just understand that it's inevitable and it's all about poker is all about the long term. And yeah. that's what, you know. Yeah. So, all right. So let's get into the hands. But first, I want to kind of get a general overview of your approach to the game. Um, you know, I think players are always interested in, in when they listen to this podcast to hear how different players approach the game. Like when you wake up in the morning and you're heading to the Rio to play in, say, the 1500 No Limit that weekend, whatever it is. Um, do you think to yourself what your strategy will be for that day? Or do you kind of wait until you get there like what's what's your kind of general mindset before the game even starts i do more of that if i'm making day twos and day threes day ones are pretty mechanical for me um uh before before a tournament even starts i make sure and i think this is very important i think you it's very important to look over the structure make sure you know exactly what's going on uh what are the blind levels how quickly you know how quickly they change blah blah blah. um so just get yourself mentally prepared for that sleep is very important um wake up in the morning have a normal routine go to the gym clear your head before you even that's that's what i do before i even enter a tournament i like to do yoga so that's kind of what i was uh, doing before these tournaments. And then I get to the tournament and on day one, I just really, you know, in the, in the early stages, I like to just take it slow. I, 
definitely try and play small ball the first uh, the first few levels and then just really study my opponents, try and stay off my phone. That's uh, I, I think it's been a very big leak of mine and I'm trying to work on that. So yeah, just try, just try and uh, really be present and pick up player tendencies and just, uh, yeah, just play your A game as, as good as possible. And yeah. And then uh, obviously once the blinds and annies get bigger, you have to widen your ranges and play more aggressively and um, yeah, just not, uh, not be too tight towards, uh, you know, once the fannies increase. So you're saying I shouldn't be staring at my phone the whole time. Hmm. Probably not. Maybe I remember that's the, what I've been doing. The last time, the last time we were at the table together, there was an adorably distracting dog next to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like taking selfies with the dog the whole, whole time. So yes, don't do what I did and just put your phone away. And, and then we we're texting each other back and forth. of <laughs> <the> dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't really know how I feel about them allowing animals into the the poker room, but you know, whatever. I am all about it. My, oh, no. I, I love service dog fraud. I'm telling you, yeah, it's my favorite fraud for sure. Yeah, I mean, everybody <laughs> seems to have this important medical issue that means their little pup needs to sit on their lap for 12 hours a day. Um, but yeah, we did happen <laughs> to be at the same table in one of the WSOP events, and yes. there was a, the cutest dog right in between us. Oh, God. I know. It's like what? snoring the whole time. <laughs> I didn't even care. Yeah. I, I wasn't too fond of that dog's owner, but what a great dog. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So did you pick out a hand or two um, to share with us today? I I have a few that we can talk about. They're not all from the World Series. Um, no, that's cool. Whatever you want to bring, as long as it's from yeah. a tournament. Okay. Well, um. I'll start with an easy one. It's how I busted the ladies event final table. So I, 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 I got six in the ladies event, uh, this summer. Um, and it was pretty unfortunate because I thought that I was probably the best player left in the field. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or yes, not. Yes, <laughs> you are. We don't allow humility. <laughs> just be honest. If you were the best <laughs> no. player, you were the best player. Well, I don't know. That's just my opinion, but everyone thinks that they're the best player. So, but in this, <laughs> particular table I I thought so and I thought that I, I was really excited going into the day um, I didn't have that many chips I was uh, one of the bottom two short stacks I think or the bottom three I'm not totally sure um, but I was uh, I was I really thought I was gonna do well we we um, so it folded to the button button opens and I'm in the small blind with pocket sixes and okay so I, let's back up just a little bit so okay. Uh, spoiler alert, it's your bust out hand. But yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're yeah. at the final table of the one thousand dollar <laughs> ladies event. Obviously we're in the money. Um do you have a, a sense of what the pay jumps were from here to first or here to fifth? Yeah, I well at that point I was guaranteed twenty seven thousand and I believe the next pay jump was a ten K pay jump. So I believe the next one was thirty seven, thirty eight. I'm not totally sure on that. But the, the pay jumps were gonna yeah, they were pretty significant at that point. So um And how much was first place, do you recall? First was a uh one sixty eight, I I think. Okay. I think it was like one seventy, one sixty eight. All right, great. So they got a good number of players uh for this tournament. Yeah. So what are the blinds and uh, what is your stack? If, oh. if you don't remember exactly, like just kind of be, you can estimate. Don't even remember. I'm going to say maybe 60,000 big blind. 
Okay. Uh, so 30-60 with a 60 uh, big blind ante. So that yeah. means there's already 150,000 yeah. in the pot. I actually, yeah, I do think it was that. I'm not totally sure. But I remember, so button open and I, I shove and I had like 17 bigs or something like that. Um, and she is in the tank for a while and then she calls with ace queen and she was second in chip. I'm sorry. I didn't, I know you wanted me to not say what she had. <laughs> no, so. that's cool. That's fine. Um, you know, this is just going to be a basic flip. I mean, I think the only thing to really question about it is, uh, you know, do we want to be, uh, shoving 17 bigs, uh, against the button open, and I think pocket, pocket sixes with a short stack in yeah. a final table situation where there are six players left. I mean, unless this button like never opens her button, you have yeah. to shove your sixes. I mean, oh, I think it's kind of a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, I mean, I'm I'm very I'm ahead of her opening range on the button, especially six handed. I have, you know, I have all the fold equity and, you know, it. She's going to be assuming that I'm three bet shoving, you know, ace, ace four and everything. So she may be calling me with ace five, you know, so it's just, um, it, it's definitely a correct shove. Um, I wanted to bring up this hand and I wasn't sure if I should even make, if I should even talk about this, but I'm kind of curious as to what your thoughts on this are. And, um, so when I was all in, and keep in mind, we're playing in the Thunderdome. Um, this is the featured table. It was very dramatic. Um, you know, this is after she had finally called me. And we flip our hands over. I, you know, I show sixes. She has ace queen. So uh, actually, I'm sorry. When the woman was in tank, was when the button was in the tank, um, she asked me uh, how, if it was, um, like 15 or 20 K or something. And then the woman, or, uh, I'm sorry. She asked me if it was, I'm forgetting what happened now. She asked me like what it was. And then the woman on my left goes, it's a little less. It's a little less. Personally, I don't think that if you're not in the hand, you should even say anything. So that was like one thing that, that tilted me a little bit. Um, okay, because, let me jump because in here. I do, yeah. I think it might have induced a call. Okay. Um, yeah. And of course that other woman wants the call because when yeah. you're not in the hand, you want somebody to bust out so you can jump that $10,000 more up the pay ladder. Um, yeah, I agree with you. No yeah. one should be talking. Uh, you know, if she asks you a question, she may yeah. even know the answer to that question and is trying to get a read on your relative hand strength based on not only your answer, but how you answer. Exactly. So for her to jump in, she's kind of interfering with the process of players talking to each other at the table. Um, she can ask you or she can ask the dealer. I personally exactly. get upset when the dealer answers the question. If I ask another yeah. player, how much is it? Is it 20 million? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the dealer answers for th that other player that that kind of takes away my ability to get a read. I mean, it's part of live poker. But yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously the person who chimed in. Yeah. had her own best interests in mind. Yes, because, and, yeah, yeah, like I, like I said, the, the button was in the tank. I mean, she had ace-queen, so in, in hindsight, I don't think she's ever folding. Um, but 
when you hear another player say, oh, it's a little less, it's a little less, it does something. I think it does something to you. It, it makes you just feel like, oh, if she's saying it's less, then that that word less is in my head. And then, you know, now I'm getting the, the right price to call or whatever. So I don't know that I thought, you know, just considering the circumstances, too, we were on a live stream feature table, six handed left, significant pay jumps. I thought that she had no business. Um, saying that and I wasn't even going to bring it up but it bothered me for like a week after this so mm -hmm. I want to say it. so then so finally she calls and we flip our hands over and um, she sees that I have sixes and the dealer puts out the flop and it's ace queen four I think um, so she hits two pair and I'm, I just turn back to my rail and I shake my head and um, she puts out the turn I brick the turn and then you know, so I'm thinking, all right, I have two outs. So then again, that same woman on my left, she goes, oh, I folded a six. <laughs> like, mother. <laughs> like, really? Really? So, uh, so I don't, don't know. Have so two outs. You have my, half as many outs as you yes, thought. So my advice to the world is if you're not involved in the hand, stay out of it. Because especially if you're on a, a live stream feature table, it kind of it just kills it. So, yeah, yeah I'll agree with that 100 yeah. percent. Um, but I mean, honestly, if this woman was going to find a fold with ace queen when she had the second biggest yeah. chip stack and you were, were you the shortest stack or second? I, short? No, I think I was the second shortest. Yeah. I mean, might've been third. Yeah. I mean, if people are folding ace queen yeah. in these spots, I'm just going to get a sex change operation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, exactly. That's, 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 I, I didn't mean to say I was the best player. I think that I was the most experienced player left at the table. Um, I mean, maybe not, but, um, you so felt, yeah. You felt confident in your ability at yeah. that table and she doesn't need to have his hand as strong as ace queen to be opening on the button, obviously. Exactly. Um, the fact that she was in the tank at all would have made me think that she was somewhere around like king queen or ace five or something and thinking yeah. about calling with those hands like to me exactly. ace queen is is an automatic call like if you if you open the button and a short stack shoves with an m of eight a 17 big blind stack on the yeah. in the small blind and you're one of the big stacks you have to take that player out and ace queen oh, i mean sure. you should, it's such yeah. a no-brainer call but yeah, she had like, yeah, I think she had like over 4 million chips too. And I had about maybe a million or something like that. So, um, that sounds about right. 17 yeah. times 60. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So <sighs> yeah, that, so that, so that irked me a lot and I was, I wanted to say something to her, but I, I didn't. And so this is kind of my way of like All saying right. it so when saying that. it. We vented that out. We got <laughs> it out there. Did, yeah. Public service announcement. Uh, I think whether it's on a live stream or not, but obviously it makes it worse when other people can see you doing it. Uh, if you're not involved in the hand, generally speaking, you should keep your mouth shut. Um, the only exceptions I can think of are if you want to call a clock on somebody. I'm a yeah. huge clock caller. Like I hate slow poker and it needs to speed up until they institute a shot clock in every single game. Uh, I'm, I'll be the one doing it. So I, I don't mind if you want to call the clock on somebody. And also if the dealer makes a mistake – like, you know, tries to push the pot to the wrong player or doesn't see that somebody had a straight or something, you know, like those kind of mistakes. I think that's when you can speak up. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you know, answering somebody else's question about somebody else's stack that you're not even a part of, yeah. you know, close your mouth. And if you folded yeah. a six, just keep that to yourself. Yes. 
You're about to climb up to fifth place money anyway, so just be quiet until Lexi's yeah, gone. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh so brutal. God. But let me ask you this. Don't I mean don't you kinda want that action? I mean, winning this flip isn't that gonna give you a big stack in the tournament? Um, yeah, of course, of course. I mean I I prefer not to be up against a flip. <laughs> I'd rather yeah. her call off with something like ace five, but you know, ace five suited or something, but you know, it, it I, I, you, ha- I had all the fold equity, and I was, I was ahead of her range, so it's a, it's a no-brainer shove. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's just kind of an unfortunate hand, and kind of some interesting, uh, you know, dynamics with the other players there, and yeah. kind of a maybe like an etiquette lesson that we should all learn. Yeah. Uh, I, I think especially at final tables, people that are making their first final table. Uh, maybe just getting a little too excited and not knowing that they need to be quiet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I almost feel bad even talking about it now. It was just so long. It's it's so long ago. It's over. It's dead. But I, it really bothered me. I remember, like, I was thinking, should I blow this person up on Twitter? And it's just that's just not my style. <laughs> that's right. This um, podcast is happy to be your place to blow it up. Especially because <laughs> you're not even giving the woman's I'm name. I'm not naming names. No, no. It feels more like you're just kind of venting this for your own, like, you know, yeah. mental health. So <laughs> we can rename this uh, On the Couch with Dr. Clayton. <laughs> Anything else you want to tell me about that's been bothering you, Lexi? No, no, we're good. <laughs> okay, let's do another hand. Okay. Um well, I I'm going to share my bust out hand in Florida in the uh the $5,250 3 million guarantee that I just made a deep run on. Um it, I'm not proud of this hand. This is a this is a how not to play ace king hand. Um but so I believe I have around 16 big blinds. Again, I don't remember exact stack sizes. I don't even remember what the blinds were. Okay, well, we can, um, we can put it all together. So this yeah. is the $3,500 Seminole no. Hard Rock. It's no. not? $5,250. Oh, it's a different one. Okay. Seminole Hard Rock, $3 million guarantee. That just happened um, a couple weeks ago. Okay, so it's a $5,200 buy-in, and it's a $3 million guarantee. And how... How far out of the water did they blow that three million guarantee? Like, what did the prize pool end up being? I don't remember exactly what the prize pool was, um, but they definitely hit the guarantee. Yeah, they always do. That yeah, place is poker heaven. Yeah. All right. So, how many players are left in the tournament? There are sixteen left, and okay. I am. Yeah, I have about sixteen bigs. Um, I was. I had just doubled too, so I was happy and just. You know, probably just not. Yeah, the pay jumps were so significant at that point, and um, so I thought that we were two away from a pay jump. Um, we were guaranteed thirty-seven thousand, and the next, I thought what I thought was the next two people to go was um, th- then they were guaranteed forty-seven thousand, I think. So yeah, ten k pay jump. Um, so in the middle of this hand another person on another table had just busted. So they had an update of the clock and I, I didn't even know. So I might've played it differently knowing that I was one away from a pay jump, but this was just, I mean, this is just a disaster hand that I played. Um, so I open the hijack with ace king suited. I get called by Byron Caverman on the button and Hold the big. Blind. So yep. we have uh, 16 big, big. blinds. Uh, M of eight. I'm assuming if the big blind yeah. ante is the same. All right. 
and you're at an eight-handed table with two tables left? Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so it's folded to us in, you said, in the hijack? Yes. Okay. So is there any case to be made for just shoving? Oh, yeah. Well, that's mistake number one. And the reason I did is because, it, I mean, every single player left in the field is, you know, a superstar. They're all really good. They're all really aggressive. Um, I had just played a few hands. Um, so I don't think that they thought I was that tight. I don't know. Um, so normally my standard here is to shove. Um, but I decided to switch it up and I kind of thought, you know, before I even looked at my cards, I noticed, um, one of the players on my left was grabbing chips. So I, and he seemed really interested. So I kind of thought he was going to raise, or if I open, maybe he'd three bet. So, I decided to to min raise and I get called by Byron Caverman on the button and the big blind. Okay, so now we're going to see a flop, three handed. Um, can we try to put some uh, chip values on this? Do you kind of remember what the blinds might have been? Um, it's funny. I feel like it might have been sixty thousand big blind again. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I tend to, yeah. Um, Okay, yeah, so it's kind of I'm the same sure. stack from the other hand. Yeah, basically. Okay, yeah. so you have roughly a million chips. Yeah, and yeah. And it's uh, 30-60 with a 60 ante. And uh, do these other two callers have you covered? Yes, okay, they do. Okay, both Byron, have us covered. Yeah, right. Byron had a significant amount of chips, and I believe the big blind did as well. Okay, so you opened to 120. Min yeah, raise. I think I, I think I went like 140. Okay, so let's call it 140, and then got a call on the button and from the big blind. So, uh, you know, just doing some quick math in my head right now, I think we're going to have an SPR of right around like under two. So, because yeah. you got two callers, uh, we're not going to have a lot of wiggle room on the flop. Oh yeah. All right. So. I'm telling you everything about this hand I played incorrectly, and it, it, it's you know in poker you tend to only you you, you tend to only talk about the bad beats that happened to you or or the hands that you played really well, but I think it's important to share and acknowledge that you can mess up hands too, and it's it's not it's it's you shouldn't be embarrassed to talk about hands that that you messed up. Because, oh, I'm definitely not. I mean, my listeners yeah. know that I'm always talking about hands that I wish I could do again. Because, yeah. I mean, to me, that's how you learn. Like, number yeah. one, you feel like you should have shoved, especially if everyone left in the tournament is a crusher uh, yeah. and there are no amateurs left in the tournament. I think even with, you know, peeking out of the, my peripheral vision, somebody grabbing for chips, I'm still trying to get this stack in yeah. and just, you know, increase my stack uh, in that way. Uh, you know, if you do get called by pocket nines or any other coin flip type of situation, I don't mind because if I don't think I'm a favorite in the tournament anyway, then I should be shooting for taking the variance. Right. Uh, like to me, I'm willing. Like if you told me I have, you know, nines and I'm totally going to call you, I'll be like, okay, I'm all in. <laughs> you know, let's yeah, go. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, Because, right, right. you know, I, I don't know if if I feel like I'm I'm not one of the better players left, then it's probably better for me to try to win some flips. So, and you know, our listeners will argue with me about the importance of those little pay jobs. But to me, like, I don't know, maybe I just don't value $10,000 the way I should. 
but to me, I just, I'm always thinking about the pay jump between 16th and 1st, not the one between 16th and 15th yeah. or whatever, you know. It's just... Exactly. And well, yeah, with, I mean, I think that it's one of my leaks looking at the pay jumps uh, when I'm, you know, like 16 away. I mean, this in, in this particular tournament, I, I think it's important to acknowledge the pay jumps because they are pretty significant, but um, I... I definitely like I definitely should not I, I should play my game and not not worry so much about it. But I do tend to tighten up around pay jumps and I, I'm working on that for sure. Are there other hands that you would have had in a shoving range here? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm shoving pocket five. I'm, you know, most pocket pairs I'm shoving here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm shoving ace queen here. I, I'm shoving ace king here. It just, it's something that I'm just so, like, I, I always shove ace king in this spot. So it's just like, like I said, I played every street wrong here. Okay. So you're not happy, <laughs> you're not happy with that. But when no. we get called in two spots, yeah. um, yeah. I think, you know, without you telling me yet what the flop is, I think my general plan would be. Uh, to probably not continuation bet and like unless it's like the perfect flop like four four deuce I might yeah. put out a little c bet because I'm the only one who's supposed to have anything. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I think it would just be uh, well. I wish I would have shoved, but now that I missed the flop, right. I'm just gonna check. And yeah. then by the same token, if we hit the flop, I think we just have to be willing to go broke because we just don't yeah. have enough stack to yeah. bet fold. You know, at that sure. point. I think that um, also one of the reasons that I did decide to raise here instead of shove is because I had I was so card dead for like so much of the day and I picked up a few hands um, a few premiums that I did open shove and I I just I got fold so I and you're like I shouldn't have let it affect this decision but I just I didn't want to maximize my fold equity with the with such a strong hand and I was just sick of everyone folding I don't know if my perceived image is really tight i didn't i don't think it is um but it, maybe it was at this at this particular table so yeah i think i was just fed up so yeah. like i said yeah so i opened we're only uh, human we're only human yeah, yeah so what's the flop so the flop is ace nine four rainbow totally perfect okay um, yeah i don't see it. i don't see any situation where i'm going to be laying down my ace king now so yeah. it's just a question of how much are we going to bet? Uh, I'm assuming the big blind checks. Well, <laughs> big blind checks. And here's mistake number two. I decide to check. Okay. Um, I thought it, it's just such a dry board. Like if I were heads up, I think it's, it's more acceptable to check, but because I was three handed, um, I think a C bet here is just, uh, it, it's just the only way to go. So like, I should have C bet something small, like a, a third pot or something, maybe quarter pot. Um, but I decided to check to trap and it checks around. So, okay, so it's ace nine four with two hearts, you said? No, rainbow. Oh, rainbow. rainbow. Okay. I mean, I don't really hate the check because your stack is such that you yeah. should be able to bet, bet and get it all in. Right. So yeah. I don't hate it, but personally I would just, you know, not get tricky in yeah. this situation. I mean, you know, we're, we're so close to pot commitment anyway. Yeah. Might as well just put out a normal size bet, like a little less than exactly. half the pot and, and get committed to this. Um, you're probably not going to get incredible amounts of action unless one of your opponents hit the flop, which is hard to do without an ace. Right. So maybe you get one call from 10-9. But, right. you know, checking now doesn't change the fact that you're only getting one call from middle pair. 
and you're never going to get a fold from top pair. So yeah. you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I would just go ahead and bet, 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 yeah. or bet, 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 whichever it takes to get the rest of the stack in. Yeah, I didn't want them to think like, cause like, like I was so short pre-flop, um, and C betting. I I thought that if if I did C bet that they would just assume that I had an ace, that I would never be C betting with my stack into two people without one. So um, that's part of the reason I decided to check. So yeah, let's explore that. Okay. I mean, that's an interesting, you know, uh, thought that you have there. So the fear of betting is that you're going to lose everybody when you have such a strong hand for the situation. Yeah. Um, and that you don't think that they're going to think that you think they'll never put you on a bluff or, or right. not having an ace anyway. Like they don't think you would see bet pocket Queens. Right. 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 Exactly. And, and I wouldn't, if I had Kings or Queens, I'd, I'd be, I'd be checking this flop. Right. Um, Right, uh, so that helps them to maybe get bold and come after this pot when they don't have an ace. So, I mean, that is a, a reason to do it. But I guess my thinking is the right. amount of bluffing into two opponents that I see is so low anyway. Like, I don't expect either one of these guys to really, like, come after this pot without right. an ace. And, yeah, uh, yeah I, I just think it's it's a bet. You just want to bet. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they, does it check around? Um, it checks around, yeah. Okay. And the turn is a nine. <laughs> so okay. it's ace nine, four, turn nine. Um, okay. I believe it brings a flush draw. So um, Big Line leads out for maybe a third pot. And I call, and Byron raises. Big. So, okay, so when it's on me... Um, as, you know, he bets a third of the pot on the on the turn. Yes. So I, I mean, I'm never folding ace king. No, of course obviously. not. Obviously, and also like every solver in the world will tell the big blind to lead out when the middle card pairs. Like that is like yeah. a standard. Yes. Spot. Like he he's the only one at this table that's supposed to have a nine, right? So right. <laughs> And especially. Well, we could we could all have nines, um, but I do I do like leading out when the board pairs, um, in that situation for sure. Well, how many nines do you have when you min raised off of uh, sixteen big blind stack? Like I don't think you have a lot of nines in your range. Um. Yeah, I guess not. I guess I. Yeah. But him calling, it's, getting it's, great it's, pot odds, he should I have a lot of nines. Yeah, I guess I'm 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 opening King Nine suited and Nine Ten suited and probably yeah on the in the hijack once it folds to me I think and yeah those, yeah I agree with that those are a couple of nines you could have yeah 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 right um, um and Byron could have a nine so yeah I mean he's on the button yeah. uh, facing a min raise so he can have a pretty wide calling range I guess yeah um but yeah I think the the player most likely to have a nine. Um, given everything, all other things being equal, is got to be our big blind in this hand because yeah. he was the one who was getting the best price to call before the flop. So yeah, you know he should be calling with almost any two cards, given right. the price. Right. So yeah, I would I would suggest that he doesn't have to have a nine, but the solvers all know that he should have the most nines. So this is the best card for him to lead um, as a bluff. Yeah, it's sure. also of course good for him to lead when he has a monster. So, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> of course. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So in your shoes I would call and now Caverman does he raise big, small or medium? Um I 
believe it wasn't too big. Um, it was maybe maybe three x the rays, maybe three point five. All right. Yeah. So yeah, let's say it was about three and a half. So obviously, um, it's it's committing you if you continue. Does the big blind call the rays? No, the big blind doesn't. The big blind folds. And what would you do in this situation? I mean. Uh, <laughs> I hate when people say as played, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I don't think I would end up in this situation, yeah, I know. <laughs> to be honest. Um, but, you know, we just have too many chips in there. If the yeah. if the turn brought a flush draw and um, there's any chance that he has one, yeah, I you know, I just think ace king is it's just too exploitable for you to bet or to call and then fold. Here, I mean, him raising two opponents does show a lot of strength. And as yeah. you mentioned, he could have a nine. He could also have flopped a set and decided to check it because it was such a dry flop. Um, you know, he could really have us drawing dead here. Um, but because we know Byron Caverman is capable of a lot of things, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'm 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 not capable of folding Ace King if I played it this way. I mean, you slow played it because you wanted to get action. Of course. And now we yeah. got action, and now we're going to fold when we already so got what like, do you, No, yeah, of course not fold, but so do you call or shove? It doesn't matter. I mean, either one commits us to the pot. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess because we want him to be bluffing, um, and, you know, I would still, I think I would shove regardless because uh, a lot of his bluffs are like combo draws that he might have picked up or, you know. Well, the only draw really is uh, is, hard, is a flush draw. It's ace nine four. So if he had like a five three, and now picked up a flush draw to go with it, then he's got like a gut shot yeah. flush draw combo. I guess that's the only one though. There aren't that many, like you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he could have a nine for sure. He could have better than a nine for sure. But you know, it's just this is a brutal spot. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not interested in folding. And I think that making him have to pay when he does have a flush draw is better than calling and then having to check call when the, another heart comes. Yeah. Um yeah, this is just an ugly spot to be in. I'm I'm not happy, but I'm all right. in. Right. Yeah, so I shoved and he has the 9-8. And I bust in 16th. So that was unfortunate. Um and like I said, I wasn't aware that the person, like the, the guy at the next table had literally just busted like that same hand. So it was, uh, yeah, it was just a crappy situation. And So that that matters because we missed a pay jump by one or something? Yeah. Yeah, but Lexi, we didn't That's really. pay jump. <laughs> we, yeah, but it's it's important to, to understand, though. I mean, this hand should have been all in, right? Oh, for so, sure. Yeah. Regardless of pay jumps, yeah, I'm I'm wondering if if you're right about you paying. I know that I don't pay enough attention yeah. to pay jumps, but I'm wondering if you might have a point about how you maybe pay too much attention. Yeah. To pay jumps. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, now obviously if we shove like results oriented thinking here, he's probably not going to call the shove with nine yeah. eight, right? Right. Uh, I'm surprised yeah. he didn't bet it on the flop. To be honest, I think in his shoes, flopping middle pair, I probably would have put out a bet. So I'm surprised that he's the one who ended up having a nine. Um, uh-huh. Although being the razor, I, I guess. Yeah, it. I don't. I don't love betting in his in his spot. Um, 
there's just there, there's really no point. He wants to uh, try and take it down, uh, try, try and uh, take it to showdown, and he can ease this way. He can pot control and call a bet on the turn. Um, so okay. I don't know. Yeah, don't no, know. that's interesting. Tell me why, because I guess my case for betting the nine in position there is because I don't protection. like any turn cards other than the yeah. one that ends up coming. <laughs> yeah, I guess protection protection is the argument. I mean, if you think you're getting called by worse, um, then you can bet. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess because he had such a bad kicker, um, betting here is, is good. If he, had, um, if he had something like king nine, I'd probably be more inclined to check. Yeah, um, I don't think I'm getting yeah. called by worse. I yeah. think I need to bet to just finish sure, the hand yeah. and not get yeah. outplayed later. Right. Um, right. Yeah, but I mean, I don't hate checking, but I'm surprised that Byron, in particular, yeah. uh, didn't bet that card. It worked out for him because he ends up, you know, hitting Jin on the turn, and yeah. then you know, getting action from Ace King, which was well disguised. Um. Yeah, it's all. I try not to be too results oriented. Um. So it doesn't really matter that he wouldn't have called pre-flop if you just shoved the hand. Right. Yeah. Um, there is a case to be made. Like Ace King is the fourth best, fourth highest rated starting hand. So, do you mm-hmm. want to just shove and have everybody fold again? Like I can see yeah. like why you don't want that to happen. You decided to gamble with it a little bit, but yeah, I guess if we bet the flop, Byron's probably going to call, and then when the nine comes on the turn, you're probably going to end up getting broke anyway. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Really I mean, yeah, it, it kind of plays. I mean, it, it's probably the same result either way, because like you said, he's he's probably not folding the flop to one bet. So I don't know. It's just uh, if I shove pre-flop, I'm getting folds and still would still be alive in the tournament. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, it's it's always fun to think about your tournaments in that way. Like, yeah. How, what is the scenario that would have led me to the trophy? <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I can I can see um regretting not shoving, but yeah. I do think there is a case to be made for the min raise um that yeah. you did. I I don't think it's a terrible play. Um I'm just I have such a wide shoving range with twenty big blinds or less. Uh, especially with the large big blind ante. Yeah. Um it's well worth just picking that pot up and not even minding action. Like you might get action from much worse, like ace jack or ace queen. You know, most of us call with those hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, a, I think there's a really strong case to be made for shoving, but I don't really hate the min raise idea. Right. I definitely would have bet the flop, but again, you know, if somebody has a nine that that person's just going to get my stack. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're too short to like be making hero folds here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm at the top of my range here. So yeah, you really are, especially the way you disguised it too. Right. So what's next for Lexi Gavin? Any more run good trips coming up? Um, I am going to be doing one of the run good stops this season. I haven't fully decided. Um, there's They have tournaments coming up in Downstream Casino. Um, so, yeah, I'll, be, I'll definitely be doing one of those. Um, I think I'm going to focus on making my move out to Vegas. I'm currently looking at apartments and houses to rent. Um so I'll be setting up shop over there. I have a lot of charity series of poker events coming up. We have, we're doing an event. We're actually doing an event on Thursday in Schenectady, New York at Rivers Casino for Habitat for Humanity. That's Thursday, the 29th of yes. August. All right. That's yeah. probably 
going to be the day before this comes out. <laughs> so. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, so never mind for that. Um, What's the yeah. next one after the Schenectady event? So we have an event on October 11th. That one is for uh, the Raiders. I'm sorry, wait. That We have two events coming up. Uh, okay, the, October 11th is Reno. Um, we're doing Folded Flag Foundation. And then October 24th, we're doing the Raiders Foundation um, in um, in Vegas. So... Yeah, we have a, we have so many events coming up. We're doing one. We're, we have one coming up for Mickey's Miracles. Um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of events. Um, so I'm just trying to get over to Vegas so that I can um, start um, setting up my life there. And that's where Charity Series of Poker needs me. So that's where I'm going to be. And um, I want to. Yeah, I haven't. I, I was considering playing the WPT at Borgata in September. So there's I have a lot of options. I'm I'm not totally sure. I'm very. I'm not a planner when it comes to poker. I kind of just see what I'm feeling and then go. Um, so, yeah, thinking just Vegas is where I'm going to head next, probably in a week, right after the uh, the CSOP event upstate. Well, it's sad for me that you won't be uh, close to where I live anymore. But I know. At least I... that means there'll be a seat open in those juicy cash games you mentioned. So maybe... Oh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, I can start jumping into your spot there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can definitely hook you up. <laughs> yeah. So where can people find out more about the Charity Series of Poker? You can uh, go to charityseriesofpoker.org and check out our website. You can also follow us on Twitter at the CSOP. And Instagram charity series of poker, and uh, you can also uh, like us on Facebook, um, the charity series of poker. There you go. They're all over social media. As all is over. Lex Lex to see. Lex spelled L E X T A S E A. Lex to see on Instagram. She yep. is a great follow. She's a very active Instagrammer. Uh, yep. She loves to keep everybody posted about all of, all of her many numerous deep runs in mm-hmm. all of these different tournaments. And even when she busts out right before a pay jump, she tweets about it or she puts <laughs> up an Instagram story about it with a smile on her face. And that's one thing I've always appreciated about you. It's, it's not all doom and gloom when you win like a 5K score, a uh, five-figure score. You're not uh, crying about it. You're just like, well, maybe next time I'll win the trophy. And yes. I'm sure that'll happen. I mean, you keep getting so close. Uh, I'm Thank sure you. you've got some more, uh, a very bright future in the game. Thank and, you. Uh, anything else you want people to know before we say goodbye? Um, no, that's really it. You can also follow me on Twitter at ChipTrick11. ChipTrick11. Uh, yes. And no, I guess that's really it. Mm-hmm. I had a, I had fun. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, it's a pleasure having you here on the on the podcast as a first time guest. So for Lexi Gavin and for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening.
Love nobody. 